God bless you all, and welcome to Core 242 Podcast with Pastor Max and Pastora Trish. Join us as we study the Word of God. All right, all right. So, um, so we've talked about this, and I feel like this is a this is a message that we we talk a lot about, and will be in uh, chapter fifteen. We're going to start with verse five, um, and we'll see where God leads us from there. Uh, but there, there's big things that I want to talk about because. You know, when when you use the the word "remain" as your your main title of the sermon, you feel like okay, the scripture that has the word "remain" in, I think it's it's something important there. So, uh, verse five says, "I am the vine; you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." All right. So, what's really important, and the reason I wanted to start this off is because. Um, we're not just talking about remaining in Christ, right? Because last week we, we talked about how people were being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were also being baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? There was, there was this kind of separation thing, so it was an interesting, interesting aspect of it. So it, here I'm seeing that he talks about that if you remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. What fruit is he talking about? The fruit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? We, we can, I think we can all agree that that's what they're talking about. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, gentleness, self-control. Um, they're, t- they're talking about that fruit, that that's what's going to come out of us if we are in Him, that we remain in Him. And, and that, is, that is a big key. And uh, I, I want to, it goes on about what happens if you don't remain in them, right? It says, if anyone did not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branch are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you're, uh, and uh, I want to pause here just for a second and hopefully, I don't know if I'm, I'm stepping on the toes of, of later teaching, but, but Trisha and I were talking about that. So when the branch is cut off, it's still a branch, right? Like when a branch is cut off, there there's still a branch. It's just not. It doesn't have the source anymore. It doesn't have the source that from the tree, from the ground, from all all the all the things that's happening. It's not going to bear fruit anymore. It might still look like a piece of tree, right? Just like all the other trees that are of other pieces of tree that's connected to it. But it doesn't. It will not have the fruit. It will not have the source of it. And that kind of like really opened my eyes to that scripture when it talks about um, when people will come to God and, and they will say like, well, we, we did all these things in your name. We healed, we casted out demons and everything else. And he says, um, I never knew you. And that was always a struggling, struggling verse for me. But when I look at it in, in that matter that they were not connected to the source, they were still a piece of tree, however that, that looked like, but they were not connected to the source, so there was no relationship there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, 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 was, that was kind of like, because it was really weird. How could they do all those things? Because they might have been part of the tree, but then they went out and did their own thing. It's like the Simon the Sorcerer kind of thing, right? He, he got all excited about all the miracles, and he wanted to start doing all that stuff. Yeah. The problem is he didn't want the source. He just wanted the miracles and a lot of... So when people do all those things... 
and then they walk away from the source. They forget it's not about them that they're doing these amazing things. It's it's the source that empowers. And if you don't give honor, if you don't connect or not connected to that source daily, then you're just a piece of branch that's gonna wither at some point and get thrown in the fire, which is um, <coughs> a scary truth that we we kind of see it. Um, so anyways, verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And this verse 8 for me was a key. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is how we show that we're Christ's disciples, that we are Christians. He kind of defines our Christianity for us. If we say that we're Christians, that we're followers of Christ, that we want to be like Christ, then we should ha- we should bear much fruit. What does it bear much fruit? That we have success, that we have money, that we have... No, it's the, we're going back to the fruit that he talked about two verses ago. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, and so on. Yeah. That's, that's fruit. That's the characters of God. We reflect God's characters when we show... Uh, that that kind of attitude, that that kind of character, is just going back to uh, in Colossians. Was it two weeks ago? Colossians, yeah, two weeks ago when we talked about Colossians, that that we should clothe ourselves in compassion and patience and and uh, and whatever other ones that uh, other ones that were part of Colossians chapter three verse twelve. Look it up later. Uh, <laughs> but you know it's those things that that's what that's what makes us Christians. It's no no other thing but our reflection of our character and God's character. That kind of gives us a, that's how we remain in Him. We remain in His Word. We remain in 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 bearing much fruit. We remain in the Spirit. And again, going back to verse five, it says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." What what are those things? We cannot be compassionate to people without God's love. We cannot. Uh, show um, joy without God's love. We cannot show peace. We cannot show gentleness or self-control without God's love. We might be able to fake it. We might be able to fake it. We can clone those feelings, but it's not going to be as real as if it's coming from the love of God and being remaining connected with God. Right? So, do you want me to pick up from verse 9? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And, you know, we looked at this, actually, this text, way, way back when. I know, Sandra, this was one of your favorite memories when you asked about, well, then what, we were redefining love, right? Because if love is obedience and... We don't want to fall into legalism. Um, that was that really awesome discussion we had in the backyard over the summer. Mm-hmm. So it's revisiting this text now, you know, months later in the context of we have, you know, we've studied what it means to be devoted to God. We've studied what our relationship with God should look like in terms of love, that obedience is not checking off the list of how many times you fast or how many times you go to church or how many times you pray, but it's, it's the fruit of the spirit that we've been talking about. So in verse 10, it says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So again, we just come back and it sounds like it's circular reasoning, but he's saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. And the reason why if we love him, we'll obey him is because we'll realize the only thing he's commanded us to do is to love, right? Mm -hmm. But you can't command someone to love you. They have to willingly choose. So it is an act of obedience to return God's love with love in return. Now, what we wanted to draw out is, you know, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a life force, not, you know, some hocus pocus sort of thing that we can conjure up. But the the Holy Spirit is the spirit of God that was poured into the Son that the Son then poured into us. So it is the spirit of God living within us. And Jesus says, before he leaves this earth, he says, never will I leave you, right? He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we know that once we receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not leave us. The Holy Spirit will not leave us. Now, but we are warned in scripture that we also have to remain in Christ. So it's, you know, a lot of people get into this argument about, well, are once saved, always saved, or if you get too far... Does God, like, hand you back over and you lose your salvation? We get into these conversations. Well, the reality is once you receive the Holy Spirit, the Scripture tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to put out the Holy Spirit's fire, all of these things, because it's a reciprocal relationship. Christ puts his Spirit within us, and he promises, and he is faithful, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Mm -hmm. So once we've received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is with us always, no matter what we do. So we have to be mindful because the same is not true in reverse. We are in Christ, but we can walk away. So the Holy Spirit is within us, but we can go back to our old life. We can drag the Holy Spirit, right? And that's what this whole series has been about is learning to be spirit-led rather than us having our way and dragging the Holy Spirit along as a stamp of approval to us having our best life now. That is not the Christian walk. The Christian walk is not have your best life now through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do miracles and signs and wonders and get that job and that promotion and buy that yacht. That's not the life of a spirit-filled Christian is that you submit to the Holy Spirit inside of you and you go, right, where he leads, which is what we sang during worship. That the whole, We listen and we say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And then we follow. And most of the time... The Holy Spirit leads us to that path of self-denial, right? That we, we actually leave the high-paying job. We leave the home that we're comfortable with. We, we make decisions that go against our human nature yeah. because, again, going back full circle to what my husband was talking about, the goal is that we bear fruit. Mm-hmm. The fruit is not signs and wonders. The fruit mm-hmm. is not speaking in tongues. It's not healing people. It's not building a big mega church. Right. The fruit is that we have love where we used to be angry and Amen. bitter. The, the fruit is joy where we used to be completely bound in depression. And that doesn't mean we don't have any struggles, but it means that as we listen and submit to the Holy Spirit, we become transformed so that we do bear this fruit. That he says that my joy may be complete in you. So it's just really important to understand that as we talk about remain, God is faithful and he gave us his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will remain in us 
until our very last breath. That is rest assured, guaranteed, he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. Mm. But we have free will. And so we don't necessarily remain in Christ. And what does it mean to remain in Christ? This is the next thing that I want us to look at is uh, in 1 John, actually. 1 John chapter 4. Starting with verse 10. Um, Amy Jo, can you read 10 through 12? Yes. 1 John 4. Mm-hmm. 10 through 12? Okay. Yep. Mm. Sorry. It's oh, a little no. dim. Let me oh, sit up. No, I don't want to. We've someone else. No, 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 no. It's okay. All right. 10. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for is that right? Yeah, that's a big <laughs> word. That's a big Mine word. says sacrifice, but okay. <laughs> you have the big, the big vocabulary Bible. <laughs> Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So the way that we, just bear with me, okay? The way that we remain in Christ... is by remaining in communion with one another. We need the church. Not the institution, but we are the body of Christ. Your Christian walk is not an individual, personal walk with Christ. Yes, that's true. You're being made into the image of God. The Holy Spirit lives within you. But we need each other. So when we remain in Christ, what that means is we remain in the body of Christ. Some of us right now, as you think about scriptures, there are scriptures that say the hand cannot say to the foot, right? That we don't need you. And you can't look at the eye and say that you wish you were an eye. We all have different strengths. We all have different gifts. And so we have to remain committed to loving one another. That's what this, I'm not making that. This is what it says. It says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he says, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. And And if we want to be made into the image of Christ, this is taking what we've been talking about to the next level. We've been very focused on our individual journey, right? But individually, we will never be transformed into the image of Christ. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But where two or more are gathered, Christ's presence is there. When we come together as a body, it says no one has seen God, but if we love one another, this is verse 12, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So in other words, when we come together and we love each other the way Christ intended, we see a fuller picture of who God is. We see a fuller picture of Christ. And any more than if I just look really, really closely, I could stare at my thumb all day, but I'm not going to see my full image. Wow. And, and this is what we do. We stare and we're like, if I just try a little harder, I'll be more like Jesus. If I just try a little harder. And mm-hmm. we're staring. It's like, no, you're, you're a thumb. Like, you're always going to be a thumb. And you're just going to be a thumb. And it's okay. Just be the best thumb that God created you to be, right? Yeah. We talked yeah. about that last week. If anyone has the gift of, 
of generosity, then give generously. If you have the gift of teaching, then teach. If you have the gift of prophecy, prophesy, right? Mm -hmm. So we should eagerly desire the other gifts, but don't try to be something you're not. Some of you are just a thumb, and that's perfectly fine. Thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we, we all have different gifts. But we cannot, you know, the the idea of it's my walk and it's between me and Jesus, that is not biblical. The Mm -hmm. biblical, and and we talked about this, right? We went through what it means to be devoted, devoted to God, devoted to the church, devoted to, but we have to really, when we look at why did the Holy Spirit come, we, we take of a communion, right? The body was broken into pieces. And when we eat of that body, we are each committing to being a part of the body of Christ. We recognize that Christ himself was destroyed and shattered because of our sin. And so you take a piece, you take a piece, you take a, we each take a piece. And when we come together, the full body of Christ is represented. If I just do my Christian walk over there, I'm just going to always be a thumb. And just like my husband was sharing the thumb on its own, what good is it, right? If you chop off your thumb, it, I mean, you have a certain amount of time to get it back to the body. Otherwise, it's no good, right? Uh, you know, we all have an uncle with, with that missing thumb. Well, maybe just me. I feel, like, I feel like everybody's got an uncle somewhere that's missing his thumb, you know? I'm missing a tip of a finger. The tip of a finger or a thumb, right? And so you can't, you can't exist apart from communion and from the community and from loving each other. This is the image that God had. Um, and I just want to share one more, one more thing. And then if my husband has another piece, um, otherwise we really want to open it up for some time to un- reflect on this series and unpack what we've learned about this and what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. So it says in, uh, let me find the, hold on, I lost my verse. Let me get, I'm in the wrong chapter. There we go. So in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Luke 29, verse 23, I mean, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, will someone read that one? Nine twenty-three. Yeah, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I got you. Awesome, thank you. Um, then he said to them all. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, this is the part that I want us to sit with. When we talk about remaining in Christ, we so often think about, well, to be a good Christian, right? We have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily, die to ourselves, and like be willing to die for our faith, this courageous martyr who's like, burned at the stake or whatever, okay? And maybe there's a piece of it that some of us may be called to die for our faith. That that may be a very real challenge that we have to face. And are we willing to? I mean, that's between us and the Lord, right? And hopefully in the strength of community, we would find the patience to endure. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, alone, I we won't. <laughs> but together, we may find that courage. But this verse has actually been, I just want to unpack it a little bit. It says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. And then it says, take up his stauros daily and follow me. The word stauros is not actually cross. It's a stake. 
like a stake in the ground. And the saying, which got lost in translation, as you go to Greek and then especially to Latin, because in Latin, in the Septuagint, it actually became crux, which is, a, which is a, like crucifix. The word there is stake. And the, the, the saying is to, to pick up your stake was understood not only to his disciples who were living a nomadic life, but in ancient Israel, when you pick up your stake, it's like, pack up your tent. Let's go. So part of remaining in Christ is that we don't get attached to this world, but that we're ready to pick up our stake, to pack things up and go when he says go. That every day we make a commitment. Where do you want me to go today, Lord? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? So it's not preparing to die. It's learning to live. And just to confirm, let's go back to Exodus chapter 40. Verse 36, it says, In all the travels of the Israelites, when the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, they would set out. If the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during their travels. It is the same thing. He's saying just what I tried to teach you in the wilderness. I'm now trying to teach you today. The Holy Spirit, we are the temple. We are the tabernacle. So when the Spirit lifts and says, go, we got to go. When the Holy Spirit settles and say, I know you have an agenda. I know you have a schedule, but I need you to linger here for a minute. You've got to stop. You've got to put, you know, you've got to put the alarm on snooze and stay. Like we, this is the same thing he's been trying to teach us. The, The narrative of scripture is consistent yesterday today and forever Mm -hmm. and so we are filled with the holy spirit not so that we could bravely die although that we may have to it's so that we can boldly live Mm -hmm. amen and and Mm -hmm. jesus shows that in them and i love um i love the teaching of the cross again being in the old testament and everything else and the and the faithfulness that the only thing that the Israelites did right is they were patient and they waited for the spirit to lift up. And Jesus echoes the same thing because what is he, what is he talking about that? Because when he talk, gets ready for the cross, what does he do the night before? He says, not my will be done, but your will be done. So when, he's, when he says, pick up the cross, he's saying the same thing that I'm going to pick up. I picked up my cross. I followed your will, God, and not my will. So we need to do the same thing that when we're getting ready each and every day to pick up our cross or pick up our stake is meaning that we are fully ready to follow his will, even to the cross or even to a new job or new relationship or a homeless person on the street or somebody who whatever, whatever God is leading to us. And it might be something that we're not seeing, something that we don't want to do. I mean, again, Christ, he cried out. Right. He, he cried out. He's like, so take he wouldn't this flippantly cup away say from something me. that he himself didn't want to do. Yeah, he wouldn't flippantly say, "I want you know, I had a hard time doing it once, but I want you, I want you to do this every day." Like, yeah. no, he died once for all. Yeah, like the word says in John one that he pitched his tent and made his dwelling among us. Mm. He, the word became flesh. And that's what we are, is now his spirit dwells within us. We are a temple of the spirit. Again, not individually, but collectively. And we have to learn to live. Learn to live daily in the anointing. And the way that that played out in scripture, in, in Jewish tradition, and in the early church, 
is you would get up in the morning and you would say certain prayers and you would prepare for the day. And part of that ritual was that they would anoint themselves as they said their prayers. And the anointing, the oil, was symbolic of the presence of the Spirit and that willingness to move. And so baptism happens only once. But the anointing with oil was something that you were supposed to do every single day. And you didn't need some hocus-pocus, mysterious mystic to anoint you. You put the oil on and you anointed yourself as you prayed. And you realized that the, the oil would heal your dry skin from the storms and the elements. It offered comfort. It, and, it, and it transformed you, right? Because... I mean, women, we know, you know, you need to moisturize, right? I mean, huh. super important. Why, why, why women? Why women? Men need to moisturize hey, hey, too. Hey, hey, hey. And some of us have that T-zone. We're not going to talk about that. But we need to take care of it daily to, to reverse the effects of the curse and sin and death and decay. And as we commit to remaining in the Holy Spirit, we anoint ourselves as we pray and, and we soak in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And again, we pick up that cross daily. You you get baptized only once. The death and resurrection symbolism happens only once. But the anointing, we've completely lost this tradition in church and we've made it something so hocus pocusy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not. It's something that we are supposed to do daily that we walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh and and we do this for ourselves that we are making a choice to love and obey and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that oil was the symbolism of the cloud and the fire. You know, you, the oil was the fuel that was needed for that fire and that smoke to, to perpetuate. So, again, it's, it's so powerful and yet not as mysterious as we make it out to be. And, and that's part of this amazing journey with all of you that as we go through these scriptures that we are finding how God teaches us to redeem um, the simple truths, right? To just unpack all the 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 loaded doctrine that we have allowed to divide, and to just be filled with the Spirit and to remain in His love, and that's it.